Well, hello, everybody. You're listening to the Woodworkers Podcast. I'm Ben Brunick. I've got Philip Morley and Ramon Valdez again with me here today. How are you two fellas doing? Hello, hello. Doing good. Good. <laughs> doing good. <laughs> right on, right on. Say, it's a special guest episode. We've got Austin Waldo of Austin School of Furniture fame and the Texas Woodworking Festival, which is coming up in September. Austin, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's uh, nice to finally get to sit down and actually talk with you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, sorry, say, long-time listener, first-time guest. <laughs> first and only. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, so, Phil, you and That would be you your choice, have... I'm sure. <laughs> What's up, Austin, you and, you, and, you and Phil have a relationship in the... Through the through the woodworking school, you want to just kind of oh, we'll just kind of lead in and and tell people a little bit about yourself and oh, a little bit of your background and that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, cool. yeah. Our Phil and I have a Facebook status that says our relationship is complicated, but it's complicated, <laughs> but, on, but ongoing. <laughs> yeah, no. Phil, Phil and I have have been friends and and uh, you know you could say coworkers in, in a way, even each other's bosses as well. Uh, so we we have all different kinds of relationships, but we've known each other for, for quite a while and uh, have done lots of really, really fun stuff together. You know, Phil might have a different perspective, but our, our relationship started quite interesting uh, off on a maybe a, a rough path. But <laughs> I, I met Phil through the Austin Community College where he was, take, where he was teaching and I was taking classes. But he used to always call me Matt. And like many of joke, uh, the jokes that Phil tells, not everybody gets them. And he forgot to tell me why he was calling. Yeah, that. I totally forgot. And I, I just, I, I was just like, this guy can't remember my name. I've met him ten times, and we talk all the time. And I, I helped him with his YouTube channel, and he still can't remember my name. Well, he was calling me Matt in reference to to Matt Kinney. Yeah, it's a compliment. We we both have the, the ruggedly. Well, I don't know if it's a comp beer. <laughs> maybe, it's maybe it's not a compliment. <laughs> but yeah, he did. He looked like Matt Kenny. I thought I told him that. That I tend to do that a lot. I think I'm I think I'm funny, and I I forget to actually tell someone I was joking. <laughs> yeah, I think I did that with Amanda too. <laughs> but called her Matt. <laughs> I called her Matt. She wasn't happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But you know, Phil. Phil was teaching, and, and I was a student. But my my professional background is in digital marketing, and so Phil needed some help with. I believe it was the YouTube channel, uh, just fixing a few things, doing a little bit of marketing, trying to get some videos going. And I helped him with that, and that kind of spurred into creating videos with Phil and and a few other marketing things. And uh, before you know it, you know, I built his website for him and and, and helped him with all kinds of different marketing things. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, really not interested in doing YouTube, although I I had it. I think I had it started, didn't I? I feel like mm-hmm. I had yeah, it you started. Had like a hundred or two hundred followers. Yeah, and then uh, well. realized how much work it was. And Austin was like, "I got skills." So yeah, <laughs> it, it worked out really well. And it was fun when we did it. It was a lot of commitment, though, right? I mean, it was it was a lot of work. <laughs> he yeah. came out and filmed and. Uh, we did some cool stuff that I'm pretty proud of, uh, even though my channel, I'm not really that focused on that channel anymore, but it's still still there, and uh, there's some good videos, so 
Yeah. There you go. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Little plug there. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's that has evolved into um, that evolved into the into the school somewhat, yeah. or or yeah. you evolved into the school. Um, sure. You want to talk a little bit about about that? I mean, that's kind of the yeah. What, recent, what spurred what recent... spurred that on? You're like, why sure. why did you all of a sudden was like, hey, there should be a school in Austin? Because I think that's a cool story, and I think it's really awesome that you you kind of took that on. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because everything is is connected. Um, You know, I I do a whole bunch of things in in woodworking, but they all, in a way, they all started from being friends with Phil at Austin Community College. So the the students that I had taken that class with really wanted to do more around woodworking. You take beginner, intermediate, and advanced, and that's pretty much it. And so we started getting together monthly and drinking beers and talking about woodworking and more and more people wanted to come. And so we, we started a meetup group and just once a month we got together, uh, drank beer, talked about woodworking that, that grew into sometimes doing presentations where a furniture maker might come and, and talk about something. But you know, since we were really describing the group as a drinking club with a woodworking problem, we didn't necessarily want to, or weren't even allowed to make sawdust because we were making, we were meeting at a brewery. Man. So people wanted more. The The meetup group is not really any type of business. It's just a, a group of people getting together. So from that, I had access to this group of, of people that I essentially used as a sounding board to get information. What do you want to learn? What kind of class would you want? What is available in Austin and what's not available in Austin? And quickly realized that there was a huge demand for higher level education beyond what was great, but already being offered at Austin Community College. And so Phil was the first person that I reached out to that is a professional in the industry where I wanted to get their feedback of how did you learn about furniture making? You have some experience teaching. How would you run a school if, if you were to be a part of that? And with his help and the help of Leslie Webb, Aaron Fox and Shota Yamaguchi, we kind of put together a business plan, came up with ideas of, of a first iteration of a few classes. Then I would bounce that off the meetup group. And, and then in 2018 pulled the, the trigger and, and, moved into a, a kind of shared co-op space and started doing evening classes. Mm. I didn't realize how relatively new the school was Yeah, for yeah. some reason. Yeah, it is not that old. We're still very much a startup and, and growing quickly, but it was just 2018 when we started. Mm. In a very, very small space. <laughs> yes, 261 <laughs> square feet. So it was, it was really more, ha- it was hand tool mm-hmm. woodworking um, and and drafting classes and uh, yeah different things but it was it was cool like when austin reached out to me and, and mentioned it i think probably, I, I can't quite remember but i probably said something like if you want me to invest into a school and start a school hell no <laughs> but if anyone could start a school it would be you because austin is very very detailed and organized which um i think is important most most woodworkers that i know that have tried to start a school were very bad at business and it it didn't work out. Good wood, good work, woodworkers, perhaps, yeah. but good, great woodworkers, but mm-hmm. not great business uh, people. So you know, it, it excited me. I was like, "Here's a guy 
you know, no kids, got a got a wife that has a job, like you know, had all the things going for him, and has the you know the the and he's worked in startup companies and stuff. I was like, this this could be this could be really cool. So yeah, that that was fun. Um, <laughs> it was a really tight little space, but clearly the community wanted it. Um, the classes would fill up pretty quick. Yeah, I remember uh, Phil talking about the Austin School of Furniture years ago when we first started the podcast. So I, that's, I guess that's the reason I thought it had been around a little bit longer than it had. But it, uh, it's really Well, we, ha- we haven't been doing this podcast that long. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. feels years, like it, doesn't uh, years it? Years <laughs> ago is at least two. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so in the, yeah. but where, the, where you guys were located at, was that, that was where the last Texas Woodworking Festival was. Is that right? Or, uh, or did you guys no. move to, the, to that next space? Yeah, yeah. We have continued to outgrow every space that we've been in. So this was originally kind of South Central Austin and was in a community shop called Toolmarks. So a bunch of furniture makers got together, rented a warehouse, and they all had kind of their individual hand tool bench spaces, but then they shared a lot of the large machinery. And so they had a gallery space in the front that was only really being used as furniture storage. So we asked if we could rent that room, and that was our hand tool room, and we would kind of go out to the open space from time to time to to do slightly dustier things if we needed to. But it was very small, was all hand tool focused, and we were there for probably not more than a year before we we moved into the East Austin property, which was a part of another community shop called Splinter Group, uh, and the school had its own private space within that larger... Uh, and and Toolmox moved also Correct. to that yeah, same they, spot. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then the Texas Woodworking Festival, the first year was 2019 then. Is that correct? 2018. Uh-oh. Uh, so, yeah. So this one coming up is the third event that we have had it should have been the fourth one. Oh, right. So 2018, it was a spinoff event from the meetup group. So it had a different name. And and that's how I identify the OGs of this event is if they know, if they can remember the name of the Texas Woodworking Festival before it was that. <laughs> Phil's shaking his head. No, no. Phil, I didn't even go Phil forgets that the actual name. <laughs> yeah. I was like, who are you? Matt? Yeah. Matt? Is it Matt? <laughs> and, and so that was a very small event. I think we had maybe five tables it was more about getting all the the groups from austin to come together so what was and the then, name <laughs> the woodworkers of austin spring social uh, i kind of do remember that yeah i would yeah. not have got that yeah. but yeah uh. and and we packed the brewery so much that it was one in one out and that was another thing that we realized i don't know where all these people came from but they loved this event let's make it a big a real thing and so we rebranded it to the texas woodworking festival and did that at the Splinter Group location, which is the, what you're talking about. And uh, that was also just insanely that was packed. Ama- that was amazing. And terrible weather. <laughs> yeah, terrible weather, but man, it was packed. So you didn't have first annual in the in the title, but maybe you should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, calling it an annual event, it's it's all you know. It's got an asterisk next to it because then 2020 was the third annual. Uh, we just kind of. We skip all, that one. We all say. skip 2020. <laughs> yeah. There was there was a a group, an organization that um, years ago they started uh, 
don't remember what the exact title was, but they had first annual in the name. And I was thinking when they had it, because the event was not very successful, I thought maybe they shouldn't have put that in there just yet. Because it did. It turned out, turned out to be a total flop, and it was the first and only one oh, they man. had first annual. <laughs> I thought that was funny. but That's, That is funny. Yeah. This year, you're you're in another location, right? Yes. I mean, you're not you're out at the the Splinter Group. Um, is that is that co-op shop still going, or did they they are still going? They yes. they were able to yes. survive yeah. survive yeah, COVID. Yeah. Well, yeah. what was interesting is is most of them ended up losing a significant amount of business right at the beginning, and but what they what they what most furniture makers realized that with everybody at home, they realized how terrible their furniture was and decided to get new furniture made. Huh. So everybody in that space was hurting, you know, Just March and April. Months, yeah. But then at the, you know, still to this point, I, most people I know are, are still backed up several, yeah. several months. Yeah. Yeah. It was a weird thing. Cause I remember that panic came in when clients were, because when you're a few years out on jobs, even a year out, you know, it gives them time to back out, right? Mm-hmm. So it always sounds great, but I remember, like, I think I had two or three that pulled uh, people out. That, that pulled out. One of them stayed, and that's still to come up. Um, they just want to, you know, they put it off. But then it seemed like, yeah, I think like Austin said, people at home, their priorities changed, they're saving money, they're not traveling, they're not eating out, like, and they're, they're prioritizing to their home space. So I want uh, nice things in my office, so I want my living room to be a little more pleasant because I'm there more. So it was, it was a strange thing, but yeah, all those guys are busy, like all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the school was doing fantastic. Uh, you know, we were, we were busy, uh, but we chose to, you know, the right thing was to do is like to, to stop because we really didn't have a choice. Um, but, but it was a good, it was a good space, uh, especially compared to the first space. <laughs> it was quite a bit bigger. Yeah. 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 And then you were you were able to shift into the online um, schooling also, which you know with your background, Austin, I'm sure that helped tremendously to be able to pivot into that into that new you know new market. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for yeah. you guys. So uh, you wanted- we were lucky in the sense that we had already been teaching SketchUp online for several. I mean, from yeah, two years essentially. Mm-hmm. David, who teaches that class, who's written several books on SketchUp lives in Connecticut. So I had reached out to him about licensing or, or using his book as our textbook. And then I was going to teach SketchUp. And he's like, well, how do you feel about me teaching SketchUp? I've recently discovered Zoom and I've been teaching SketchUp classes through that. You want to try that? And he said, sure, you can do a much better job than I could teaching SketchUp. So we, we, we had that experience. We had the infrastructure set up for that where we basically said, okay, let's just try to do uh, an actual woodworking course. And so we started doing live woodworking classes online, which went really well, especially at first where people were all about signing up for those. And then we ended up building a platform to essentially house our on-demand video courses. So Phil and a few other instructors and myself would have a, have a project and we would record several videos and provide SketchUp models with schematics and written instructions Hmm. and you can use it similar to a platform like Skillshare where you can buy the course and 
watch the videos at your convenience and follow along with the instructions and uh, have the, the plans you can print off and then go in your shop and, and build it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's been really, really nice. And that is one of the silver linings of, of everything of, of how the pandemic went is we're going to continue to do that as we get back into in-person classes. Mm-hmm. I ended up taking that uh, highly advanced SketchUp course. Oh, wait, no, it was beginner. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think he teaches a highly advanced. <laughs> no, actually, it was the intermediate, but it was a good class. I learned, awesome. I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing oh, it's- watching watching someone that actually knows what they're doing with SketchUp. Mm-hmm. It always blows me away. I'll be like, damn it, I've been doing this like crazy the long way, the hard way. long way. It's like just just command Q to rotate. What? Yeah, and he and he also knows then the the Windows key uh, shortcuts, which yeah. is you know it's command this or control this, and you got to know oh, that for both systems. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's that's tough. Everybody that's should just go to Mac. I mean, get over what's, it. Come on. <laughs> what's what's David's what's David's last name? Do you, can you pull that off? H e i m. Did he do? Did he do the stuff with fine woodworking? Yeah, they, yeah. He used they, to be yeah, the SketchUp right. guy for a long time. That's what I remember. I remember watching those videos um, when oh, trying to trying to learn SketchUp when they had that. I don't know if they still have that or 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 not, but um, I remember watching the videos. He and was it Richard? Was that the other guy that did? It? I can't remember. Richard Killian. Maybe I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, he, um, he knows, but he yeah, that's cool. Let's see then. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, um, and that that's cool that you kind of had somewhat of a, you know, uh, somewhat of a model as far as the, the online to to go to, and then what what other classes have you guys done uh, online with switching to doing what yeah. you can instead, you know, from the from the school. Yeah, I mean, we we did everything from like a furniture design history lecture to. We haven't done too many complex, you know, more intermediate classes online. It just gets really difficult to to teach virtually live when you're building something large. But we've done uh, boxes. We've done, you know, chip carving. We've done some joinery classes with, with both Patrick Brennan and, and Frank Straza. Uh, and then very recently have done a, a marquetry class with somebody. Mm. That seems like it would be a good fit. <laughs> the one and only <laughs> yeah that was a fantastic class i i'm well it was fantastic for me i don't know the <laughs> students i did get a, some really good positive feedback um via dm so yeah it was that's cool uh saturday about six hours and i was you know before the class i was wondering how it was going to go being online so i've touched you know i've taught marketry quite a bit but never online i didn't know how that format would relate or work with you know you have this yeah. this you know dead silence of an audience yeah, it's no and feedback your, yeah. there's no feedback but austin you did a fantastic job with um kind of like piling up the answers and then we would go a little bit and then people would ask questions and it worked it worked it worked great That's yeah right. it's, it's <clears throat> fun with those classes because i can pretend like the students have questions and they're really my own questions and i can get those answered <laughs> no uh, can you explain what you did there but they, uh, but they some student wants to know but they fit. <laughs> you you made it because um, some stuff you know as a teacher unless you have that feedback you might breeze over something that is actually a good you know that's a good question i should have mentioned that and so you would mm-hmm. you would catch some of that so it worked it worked good 
Yeah. yeah, I don't know if anybody bought the Austin from Texas writes in and says and asks. I don't think anybody bought into that um, as far as <laughs> as far as who was asking the question. <laughs> so, with those classes, have they been mostly have they been mostly like one day or a couple a night or how like time frame wise? Like, what have you been able to do with with those classes? Yeah, that was part of the experimentation that we did, where. You, you know, no matter what the class is and no matter how amazing the instructor is, sitting at your computer for eight hours is is pretty tough. So we would try to break it up in, you know, either a half day and a half day or a weekend. Or we even tried with some of the classes that were more, there was more work for the student to actually do to break them up across multiple weeks. So, for instance, the, the joinery class that we did, the actual class was only two hours for each joint where the instructor would talk about the joint, demonstrate it and give the student homework. And then next week they, they had to make some throughout the whole week and weekend, they had to cut those joints and practice, come up with more questions. And then they would answer those questions, talk about the last week's joint and then introduce the next one. Hmm. So we did everything from, you know, a solid one day class to multiple weeks just trying to figure out what what students liked and and what their experience right. was. Right. And what's cool about it too is that like I I think it's a good idea to keep it going at some level once the school reopens. But uh, it just gives it gives students the access to some some people's shops that you never would have, you know. Um, so you can have different craftspeople from all over the world, and they can you can kind of get a glimpse into their life and, you know, see what Ramon, you know, what kind of t-shirt does he wear or, you know, what tattoos he's got going on. And <laughs> but it's, and it's, it's, that's what's really cool about it. It's like, I think that's opened it up, you know, positive from all this craziness is that a lot of people have been open to like, yeah, I could, I could jump on a Zoom call and do that. And these are people mm-hmm. that may never teach, you know, they're not, they don't want to leave their house, you know? So anyhow, that's pretty cool. Well, I think it, it also helps in that, uh, from an instructor point of view and a, and a, you know, somebody who's taken the class, they can try to, I mean, they're going to come up with questions because they're trying to do it in their own shops with the, what they have. I mean, the the limitations that they have instead of, you know, sometimes you go to, you know, you go to a big school and they've got everything. They've got all the, all you need is a JDS and a about All you need is about, you know, Twenty five, thirty thousand yeah. dollars worth of equipment, yeah. and and yeah. it makes things and and not only that, but it's it's all that equipment and all the equipment is set up, all the equipment is dialed in, you know, right, or right. or supposed to yeah. be dialed in. Right. Um, but you're dealing with you know people's realities, and yeah. so if someone's struggling, like that joint class that you were talking about, you know, people can come back and say, "Man, I I can't get this, I can't figure it out," and the instructors, you know, whoever's teaching the class can say. All right. Well, I think maybe this is this is where. Yeah. What, what do you have? Are. How are you doing it? Yeah. Right. And what, yeah. What how square, could, how square is this? And you know, it sounds to me like your you know your miter slots aren't you know even with your table saw blade. You know, right. just mm-hmm. some some of the things that are kind of well, they're kind of basic. But unless you um, have a have a reason to have, have right. a problem, you, you don't, you don't really that. understand. Right. Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't learn that. You go take a week class with me. You not learn how to set up machines. It's just it's not happening. We're trying to build a lounge chair, and mm-hmm. so everything's dialed in. That is we an interesting cr- point, though. Crazy amount of tools. You have that aspect, that other side of it too. 
what do you have or what yeah. machinery would you be using to create this joint? Yeah. So which yeah, is fun. That's, that's mm-hmm. what like they've got. You yeah. know, that's that's what that's what people have in their in their home shop and mm-hmm. so you're trying to go, that's all right, point. well let's just use what you got and try to be creative and come up with some interesting solutions to um well, I, so did, in, in, I, I did that box class for the week and what was more fun out of that was to students saying they learned more because they, they were forced to have to tune up stuff, like tune up their machines. And, and so now they have a shop that even works better too. So yeah, mm. there's, there's a lot that, a lot of good that came from uh, from the online classes. And also I like the fact too that like SketchUp is not a big budget thing. Chip carving, like having classes that you don't need a shop because woodwork, woodworking is very expensive. Yeah, it uh, can so be. T- yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, well, yeah, and that chip carving was our our biggest class. I think we had about eighty students oh, in that, wow. in that class. That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah, could that's I fantastic. could see that. Which, yeah. which is one of the, the things I loved the most about those live online classes is the the uh, low barrier to entry, the the access. Probably mm-hmm. half the students were outside of Texas, and a small percentage of those were international. And you know, the chip carving class was thirty five bucks. So, you know, it's it's much much more affordable than flying to a, a physical school and taking the class. Uh, you, so who was, who was doing end? those classes? Oops, sorry. Uh, that was Aspen Golan that was teaching. Oh, okay. okay. All right. So who, who are some other instructors that you've had that have, that have done some of the online? I think that'd be good just to hear some of the folks that you've had teaching classes. Yeah, yeah. Phil did one. Uh, Patrick Brennan did some joinery. And Frank Straza. Matt Kinney did... A Kamiko, and he also did a box making class. Uh, Aspen has done several for us. We also had Mark Maycheck, who's a who's a guy here on our board in, in Austin, who did some design related classes. And Michael Fortune uh, did a bandsaw class. And Ramon oh, and a, did nice. <laughs> oh yeah, that and there was that some, guy, that some guy, <laughs> that marketry, that one guy. Yeah. Michael Mets. Fortune did a a furniture design course that was really fun where we kept it more like a real in-person class with a small class size and lots and lots of interactivity and they were working from abstract you know line arrangements into a pretty close to to finalized scale prototype and everybody was actually you know prototyping out a real piece of furniture and they all had stories to what they were uh, trying to build and the reasoning behind that. And that was really, really interesting mm-hmm. to, to see how those evolved over, over that timeline. How, how long of a class was that one? Do you remember? Oh, I have to, I'd have to look that up. I can't, that was towards the beginning, but it was, I think two weekends, mm-hmm. maybe one Saturday each. I'm trying to remember. So it's something like 16 hours of class, Wow! but it was much more hands-on than some of the other classes uh, to the point where, you know, people are, lifting up their laptops to try to show what they're doing on their desk. <laughs> right. And uh, that's a bit tricky to, to do, uh, but it was great. Cause then they could actually get live critiques from Michael fortune on their designs and, and students would give feedback and they had to do multiple iterations. And uh, it was really, really fun to watch. That's cool. Yeah. Now, if you yeah, made that, that back cool. portion look more like a triangle, it would be a diamond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was that when he did the uh, critique at the Texas, uh, Kerrville, yeah, Texas Furniture, Furniture Show. Maker Show. Yeah, 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 but it was it was really funny because like after every single piece, 
it was all a Michael Fortune piece. <laughs> it was and then some guy was like, okay, okay, we get it. It's a Michael Fortune piece now. All right, move on. <laughs> and Michael was wonderful. Like, I love like hearing him talk and his passion and yeah. about design. That guy, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, and Aspen, you were talking about Aspen doing the chip carving. Man, that chair or the, the, the bench. The, the bench. That that they've just done the collaboration with. Holy crap! That thing yeah. is so cool, beautiful. Yeah, the stuff that she stuff that she does just amazes me. And just yeah. a huge variety of right. direction. She just and everything she does just ah. spot on. Yeah, super. Yeah, super I think I'll do a brush, but it's going to look like that. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> right, and that that painting. I don't. I still don't even understand it. Like I saw I her I, doing it upside down. I'm like, how are you doing that? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Just amazing. So pretty. So cool. yeah, getting getting great instructors in. I mean, that's a, yep. a, Thanks be a big a, thing. A huge part of it. Well, most it's going to it's going <laughs> to be a big part a big part of the new school when it opens up. For sure, That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, did you want to talk? You want to talk a little bit about? Yeah. I mean, you're because everything's kind of transition right now. Um, right. We got and and I mean, we really want to get around to the to the festival and and yeah, have, have more about it, who's it. coming and yeah, all that stuff too. But, but uh, so, do you want to talk about you know the School of Furniture and how the Texas Woodworking Festival, how those two are intertwined and and the reasons for? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I talked a little bit about how it got started, but the you know, the first iteration was very much a, a meetup, a meetup of meetup groups. But the what it all distilled down to was creating a community, bringing the existing community together, showcasing what other furniture makers and woodworkers were doing. And we quickly realized that the school, the Austin School of Furniture, quickly realized after having moved from the, the first location to the second that not only is is Austin residential real estate very very expensive but commercial real estate is as well mm-hmm. um, property taxes are very high here and and that all translates to to high rental costs so we wanted to figure out a way that we could keep the the school in in central Austin or centralish Austin and not have to move out to the suburbs we want the school to be an urban school and the festival evolved to to end up becoming our fundraiser. So throughout the, the, the pandemic, when we started to ramp down the in-person classes, the community really came together to help support us and get us through that period and make it out the other side. So we were able to give up our lease and quickly once we realized that things were starting to get better started searching for real estate and the same issue that i mentioned before is real estate in austin is is tough and it's expensive very competitive and the school is weird in terms of of its use case and what it needs it's it's things from industrial and flex and retail spaces and all those have different zone requirements and criteria zoning and and mm-hmm. uh, mo- mostly the price is very different and so we're hoping we can find a, a new location very soon, and we're very close, but we need the Texas Woodworking Festival to help create a little bit of income outside of our classes so that we don't have to charge crazy prices for, for in-person education. 
So the, the Texas Woodworking Festival in the simplest form is a fundraiser for the Austin School Furniture. Mm. Awesome. Nice. And, uh, but it's, and a, so it's a fun fundraiser. <laughs> it is. It's a fun fundraiser. <laughs> Capitalize the fun part of it. Yeah, it's, you can do GoFundMes and you can do ways to, you know, a gala to get money. But, you know, I want a little bit of the, the Austin weirdness to be in our convention so that it's it's fun. You have a, lot, a really good time there, good food, good beer. Um, it's it's going to have a little bit of an Austin feeling to it. Nice. Yeah, so talk, talk a little bit more about what, what, is, what does it look like to someone that has never come to one. Like, and, and it's a new venue. It's an actual venue space. So, yeah, who's coming type stuff? What, what are people going to ex- see when they come? Yeah. Yeah, I often describe the event as, you know, if you – had a beer festival and a woodworking themed farmer's market. That's kind of where we're trying to, to find ourselves. So there are aspects of it that are convention-y and there are aspects that are very uh, community focused events where um, an individual woodworker can get its own table and be next to, you know, an international company like Felder. So we, we go after, or we reach out to, all ranges of, of woodworkers, both that are based here in Texas, but, uh, but otherwise and outside the States. So, you know, we'll have these individual furniture makers, these individual woodworkers and tool companies will be there. Lots and lots of lumber yards. Um, any type of product is going to, to be there that wants to be. So, you know, this year specifically, as Phil mentioned, we're at a actual event venue. So there I think is about, um, 12,000 square feet inside. Mm. And then they have a beer garden that's about 10,000 square feet outside. So inside will be a really big stage where we'll have all the presentations and there'll be lots of vendors out in the main area. There'll be the bar obviously and a store where you can grab t-shirts and things like that. And then a whole beer garden outside where you can sit, relax, have some, some good food and hopefully sit out in the nice Nice weather. Uh, well, hopefully it won't rain, but September's <laughs> usually a little bit warm here in Texas, but uh, we'll have good air movement. It'd be a really, really fun time. Yeah, yeah it should be. Looking forward to so it. Who, who, are some, who are some of the folks that are going to be there? Because you had, you've had people sign up and say, yeah, we're going to be there. So who are some of those folks? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, there's a stage. So starting with the presenters who all, all also have tables, the, the first presentation is from Trent Pressler. So the, the Presser Woodshop, he's making gorgeous canoes, but more specifically to this event, he's talking about his new book. And so he's going to do a little uh, excerpt reading, Q&A, and then do a book signing at his actual uh, table. So if mm, you, nice. you know, want to talk to him about his book, this would be a great opportunity to come and meet him and, and uh, get your book signed if you already have one or, or buy a book from him and support him if you don't. Uh, but then also he's going to do a little bit of a Q&A on the main stage. Cool. Then Frank Straza is going to be doing some dovetail demonstrations up on stage, which would be a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. It's always, always a great experience to watch him uh, cut some hand-cut joinery. Mm-hmm. Then Shaper will be showing off the origin and, and doing a little demonstration and answering questions about uh, that, which I believe you guys have been talking about a little bit last week. And they'll have a table, so you can also go get specific questions answered. And then there's one more presentation. I don't know who I say is doing that. Is it one or two of you? Possibly two? 
Well, it's going to be a competition now. Like I'm going to I've designed a new elephant. <laughs> okay. It's the is it the cherry elephants? The, the apple. The apple. There you go. Yeah. Apple elephants <laughs> one and only. Well, so Austin asked if I want to do a presentation and I try to think of something that would work well in the time and the space, right? Can't have a full shop, can't build a chair. And I'm not Frank Straza. I'm not cutting haircut dovetails, although that might be entertaining to do. Um, be a mess. But when I teach my lounge chair class, I use the elephants a lot. And there's little ways I use it that are kind of cool. And, you know, a lot of people know about it, but there's a lot of people that don't know about it. So I thought mm-hmm. that would be a good demo. And then Ben said he's coming. So I'm like, why the heck am I doing the freaking <laughs> elephants? Like, it's your, it's your elephants. Oh, no. No. So I think we're going to both be up there um, demoing it and talking about it and stuff, and then and Ben's going to be trying to pitch some. So <laughs> I, I, I first I've Phil, heard of this. Phil will be <laughs> uh, doing presentation of it, and Ben will be making the sales. He'll be making the sales. <laughs> That's what it is. The, if you use more Morley discount, <laughs> you, you pay fifteen percent more. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think we'll both somewhat be up there. I don't know. We're gonna find out. Yeah. Well, that'd be well, cool. Yeah, it should yeah. be a great time. You'll learn a lot from those presentations. But then, you know, we have forty plus exhibitors, nice. and that's ranging, you know, anywhere from someone like Dowd's Tools that's gonna be showing off, that's cool, uh, and selling their vintage hand tools mm, nice. to you know even the newer side of hand tools with lee nelson yeah. uh, leslie webb will be there with her company heartwood tools oh, and nice have all the the gorgeous h&t gordon tools and panorouter panorouter will be there so it's hand tools all the way to machines beautiful and everything in between yeah and felder is you said felder is going to be there yep yep oh, felder yep. has two booths so they'll have a, a, a big large booth where they'll be showing off some machines and Nice. You know, Saw Stop uh, through Texas uh, Texas Toolcraft will be there. So Kevin is a is a Festool and Saw Stop dealer, and then lots of people showing off things they're actually making. So we have somebody who makes wooden speakers, and mm-hmm. I, I, I I'll have to double check, but I think we have somebody who makes wooden purses as well. That's going right. to be there, which I'm really interested to see, and <laughs> different types of hand tools that somebody's making out of their own shop. Cool. Um, yeah, so the entire. That, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say. So in that way, it's it's somewhat of a farmer's market, also. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. In that you're bringing, you know, hand handmade goods, and the and the folks that make those goods into the. So it's. I mean, you've got the the large like Felder and those you know there's these big companies, but you've got individual. Um, makers, artists that are that are making their own things. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. <laughs> talk about talk about who who else is who else is there? I'm sorry. Yeah. Woodcraft. <laughs> so Woodcraft is our is our platinum sponsor. So they're they're really helping us out sponsoring nice. the event. But they will also be there uh, showing. I, I think I'm assuming they have products there. But either way, they'll be there promoting Woodcraft and right. So large and small and and then maybe l- and lumber too, right? Like a uh, uh, Harvest Lumber Company. Yeah, yeah. Harvest is, yeah. is based here in Austin, and then uh, uh, Birdall is going to be there. There's a new one that's that I hadn't heard of before called Sunset Slabs. They're going to be there. Uh, Texas Urban Sawmill. Cool. A whole bunch of, of great lumber I think companies for sure. That makes it a really interesting. Well, to me anyway, for that kind of a show, it just the 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 variety 
makes it interesting and oh yeah you know you'll capture it's, it's somebody's for attention for yeah exactly yeah. yeah i don't i don't know how we can we can work this in uh but with all of you being there we could have a bit of a of a battle of the podcasts so the <laughs> the modern woodworkers association oh, podcast there's no battle is going to be there and they'll be <laughs> doing live recordings <laughs> so i don't know if there's a way to do like a six person podcast but that'd oh, be pretty goodness. cool yeah. <laughs> Have you met us? We can barely pull yeah, off. I don't a think there's. Person. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's going to be three. any battle. I think they've yeah. already they've already won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, those guys were there. They they were there at the at the last festival and did, yeah, did yeah. remote recordings, and that was a lot of fun. Phil, you and I got to be on that. And yeah, yeah that's right. The, yeah. the the different interviews that they did, it was it was fun to got fun to, to get a chance to meet those guys. It. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It was impressive, man. It had like a soundboard and all kinds of stuff. I was like, what the heck? Actual mics. And <laughs> Especially for back then when we were using the right. Anchor app. Oh, jeez. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Phil and I kept trying to talk into our phones. Couldn't figure out what was going yeah, like, on. How does this work? <laughs> I'm trying to join. But, yeah. is, uh, a- is April Wilkinson going to be there? Do you know? Yes, she will be. Wilker does. Wilker yeah. Dues. Wilker oh, Dues. Yeah, April will be there. She usually has a whole bunch of really cool stuff that she's showing off and selling. So yeah. that would be great to check out. So it's kind of like a maker's meetup, too. It's, it really is a cool... It, it's pretty unique, I think. It's not... I don't think there's anything else out there like this, you know? Yeah, I love the mix, for sure. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Ramon's yeah. going gonna to be there. Hawking, Demoing stuff. Finally, somebody Domino mentioned it. She's... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Austin. <laughs> I, I, I hadn't gotten to it. Yet. I'm working on it. I'm working. A, oh, I'm in the bees. A, I'm toward the end. Yeah, he's, yep, yep. he's a premium sponsor. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And good food, right? I mean, we got some good food and 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 some good bear and stuff, local stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. We got the, just last week booked the last food truck, so there'll be oh, cool. two food trucks and a and a dessert truck. Ooh. Wow. Oh, leave cool. it to your imagination what they might be. You have to come and find out. But they'll, right they'll be good. And this will how, be September how, 4th, Saturday, September 4th, uh, one day, one day only, correct? Yeah. That's correct. And it starts at what? 11 a.m. and goes till 5 p.m. Okay. Okay. The venue is called Fair Market, so it's, it's a really, really good location uh, just a couple blocks east of downtown. So if you're coming into town, you can stay anywhere in downtown, anywhere in East Austin. You can walk. Uh, that is a very, very walkable location. There's lots to do, obviously, at the event, but then all around, yeah, it's a cool there's, place. there's lots lots happening. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're doing, you've got a stage where, where people are doing demonstrations, but uh, if, if it's like what it was last time, I mean, people have booths and are kind of doing demos and stuff at their booths also. Is it is that what it's going to be like this year also? Yeah, yeah. They basically what they want to do at their booth is kind of up to them. So some people will be just there talking to people, uh, come and meet this person, come and see this thing. A lot of people are going to be selling things, uh, but then yeah, they'll do demonstrations. You know, part of the part of the stage addition to this year's event uh, is not only just as an education standpoint, but you know, Frank Straza was causing problems with you know, too big of a line in front of his booth because yeah. <laughs> people trying to see. And, and awesome. uh, somebody actually emailed me afterwards and complained that they couldn't ever get close <laughs> enough to Frank's table to see what he was doing. I was like, uh, all right, 
that's that's a good problem to have. We're going to put Frank up on the stage. So giving people more access to the presentations and and then maybe they come up with questions, they can go to the actual booths and uh, Uh explain what's going on. What do you got? A tornado warning, Morley? Lunchtime. I got the same. I got the same. Time for me to put down this podcast. See ya. No, it's Amber Alert. Amber Alert. Oh, all right. Oh, shoot. So I feel bad because I get that and I never, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not on the road. Um, But yeah. Well, cool. Frank Strauss will be doing demonstrations on the stage as well as his booth and Uh, um, lots of fun stuff. I, I'm really excited. Mark Hicks is is part of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast nowadays, and he his company Plate Eleven will be there. And oh, those that's benches cool. Benches, yeah, and, yeah. And that's awesome. All the stuff he makes is just amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, he does beautiful stuff. He's got the got the workbenches and the the shave the shave horses, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. he's mm-hmm. gone into that market. That's that's beautiful. He teaches. Beautiful stuff. He yep. start he starts some online education stuff too. Yeah. 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 Almost, almost more of a, a more traditional university's distance learning program where it, it's longer term and very right. involved. The students are building benches, but yeah, live videos, recorded videos, lots and lots of assets that he's given these students to essentially build uh, different parts of the bench That's and cool. have an amazing bench. And I believe for some parts of it, he was actually like flat packing some of the materials to them, which is just a massive undertaking for, for a workbench. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be fun. We've, we've expanded quite a bit from the prior years and added more. uh, And we hope to continue to do that, to expand even more for the future events. Heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, last year, the last time we did it was just impressive for the second time. And so, yeah, with this new space, pretty cool. Yeah, there was there were so many people there. the The last the last well, event, you, and, oh, and that's the rain, right. the rain. Yeah. Ben drove down that <laughs> drove down that night morning, before. that morning night before something like that. Slept yes. on my couch. Never met never met the guy before. Leslie was like, "Dude, I want to tell you how I do your stuff." But uh, are you sure you that's Ben Bruni? Do, do you know who Ben is? Like, have you? <laughs> So like, hey, this guy's not even Ben. He's coming. <laughs> <laughs> a stalker. <laughs> it was really, it was, it was freaking awesome. Um, I kind of want to ask you a little bit, because I know we've, we've spoken about pretty much everything. So, of course, if there's anything else you want to mention, you know, definitely do that. But I wanted to put you on the spot and ask you, kind of just to explain the vision uh, for the school, you know, I know we're talking about finding space, and and hopefully that happens. But like, what would your vision be of how how you want the school to kind of stand out and and operate, and uh, whether it's like you know guest instructors, if there's uh, programs to help people that may not be able to afford it, like and all of it. Just like, what's your vision? What's your vision, Austin? Yeah, yeah. You know, Phil in his many, many years, uh, occasionally will say something that's very wise. Occasionally? Occ- <laughs> occasionally. That's impressive. Okay. And he, he told me when we were starting the school that you should start the way you want to finish. And we've been striving after that, I think from the get-go, to get the school to a point where it – if you want to become a furniture maker, no matter where you are, 
we're in the discussion. Um, we're not there yet, but that's what we're working for. Where I'm, I'm in whatever state or even a different country. I want to become a furniture maker. Where do I go to do this? We want the Austin School of Furniture to be in that conversation. Mm. So when you work backwards from that, that becomes the business plan. Okay, what what does the physical school need to be like to be a competitive furniture making school? What what do our instructors need to to be like to be at that level? Mm-hmm. And along the way, you start to learn these aspects of okay, we can't rent twenty thousand square feet in Austin. That it just is ridiculously expensive to do something that large. Well, but maybe not. Maybe if we start doing online classes, we can make a little bit more money and we might get bigger space. Well, if we do the Texas Woodworking Festival, that could be another revenue stream. And adding all these components to the school will hopefully get us to a point where not only do we have classes that are able to train aspiring professional furniture makers, but are affordable to everyone and still are approachable for the hobbyist beginners, the hobbyist intermediates, the hobbyist advanced students, so that everybody can find something that they want at the Austin School of Furniture. So from all the different revenue streams that we're doing, all the different class formats that we're doing, it's really to be gearing a very, very high level education, but making it affordable, approachable, enjoyable for everyone. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we, we had mentioned before the show that you might want to touch on how you actually got into this game. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, my, so my background is, is not actually in woodworking. It is in digital marketing and that has been what I have done professionally until the pandemic. So uh, have a degree in, in, in marketing and a few other things and and have done everything from event marketing to, to more technical aspects of SEO and PPC and, and really enjoyed doing that at, at startups. And specifically, I did a lot in, in education and tech startups. What what I realized is it wasn't necessarily that the marketing that I enjoyed, it was coming up with a, with an idea or, or finding a problem and creating something that was going to solve that. And so I really, really enjoy creating something from nothing. So woodworking came into play as it, it was my hobby pretty much my entire life. And, and, you know, I grew up in my grandfather's wood shop. And so I, I was always handy, but I wasn't necessarily into fine furniture until college, essentially. So what I enjoyed was, was making furniture, but I, I found that I also enjoyed furniture making businesses. I, I liked taking something and, and creating something from nothing and applying my background from tech and, and, and marketing to this hobby woodworking. And so I kind of slowly got into it from a hobbyist perspective and found myself surrounded by amazing, amazing furniture makers that I could learn from and that I could um, 
give provide something to them, whether it was you know build them a website or, or or some service that was really easy for me, but really difficult for for them possibly. So I, I actually more got into woodworking from the business side, and then only recently have really ventured off on my own in terms of of woodworking and furniture making. Um, but the having that business experience allowed for me to slowly dip my toe in uh, into doing it professionally and then starting the school and, and um, all the businesses that came from that. Mm-hmm. You're the right man for the job. I'm telling you. So. <laughs> well, what, what's really cool too, and, and you know, we haven't really talked about this at all, but what people don't understand, you know, once a month. So Austin, so Austin's really good at um, asking for help from others, right? Like, like trying to get as much information as possible for this school. And he put together a board, um, a group of us meet once a month or whatever it is that we're trying to build the program for the school. So this has been going on for months and um, working on the three-month program right now. And so it's super detailed going through it. I mean, I can't imagine anyone else to do this. Like Austin's really got it down for this. And somehow he managed to pull these people in that are not getting paid. They're professional and great at what they do in out there in the world, and, and they're not all in Texas either. And they're so willing to help to try mm. to get this. They believe in it and want to see us succeed. And that just blew me away when I go to those meetings uh, and, and see these people and the time and the work they put in. It's just it's amazing. And it's so it's I think it's telling that Austin, uh, you know, knew that's what he had to do, like to put to go out, ask others to try to build something really amazing. So yeah, it's a. Uh, that that I mean that's the goal, right? Austin is uh, to when we open up, it's going to be uh, the three month program is the big the big deal, and then work our way up to longer programs. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk a little bit about that. But on to your last point, I you know I think you're giving me too much credit. I <laughs> it, it really has been the community and and folks that that are like on our committee uh, that that help and and that, a lot of that mentality of, of me doing that has come from the the, the tech world. Um, and there's a, a Jim Collins book that I read several years ago called Good to Great. And one of the the examples he's giving is, is about putting the right people on the bus. And I <laughs> what I've learned is, you know, yeah, there are some things that I'm I'm pretty decent at, but there are also some things that other people are way better at. Right. And if if I can offer some of my qualities and my skills to other people who have those qualities and skills that that I don't have then you start to build a team that's just really really impressive and mm-hmm. so this this curriculum committee that that Phil's mentioning we just posted on social media and had a Google form and people applied and these folks have have experience not only in woodworking everybody is a, is a woodworker of different levels but there's a guy who runs a you know a medical nursing boot camp so you know, a short-term educational program, but from a healthcare standpoint, there's folks that have product design and, and uh, tech education experience, folks that have actual professional curriculum design experience. And so that's something that I, I don't have and, and Phil doesn't have for that, that matter, but he can use his furniture making skills. I can use my marketing skills and we combine those to form what we hope will be a really, really amazing curriculum for a three-month program. Yeah. That is awesome. I am excited to um, 
for your vision for this school and looking forward to the uh, the festival. Sounds like uh, you guys are on a good path. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. September. September. What's the date again? Give it a date. September 4th. Come on, September man. September 4th. On Sa- well, I didn't want to get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to call in the it. morning. September 5th. <laughs> I'm on my Shut way. Up. I'm Nobody's on my way. Yep. So what happened? <laughs> Stupid podcast. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so September 4th at 11, 11 a.m. Um, mm-hmm. And then speaking of it being a fundraiser, what, um, what kind of – How do you of, get tickets? How do you get tickets? Sure. What, what are costs involved? I mean, that's the, that's the whole – you know, I mean, it's not the whole point of it, but it's, it's a big part of it is, is so that it is a, a, a fundraiser um, for the school. Yeah, yeah. So on the on the on the low end, you know, just coming to the event is is helping us out. But how we make it a little bit more beneficial for the school is if you buy a ticket ahead of time, you're able to pick how much you pay. So there is a minimum ticket price, which is twenty dollars. So that uh, that gets you one free drink. That gives you a raffle ticket uh, and entry to the event. On the website, you're able to type in however much you want to pay. So if you want to pay 25, 30, 50, 100, nice. up to you, you can do so. And that money obviously goes to the school running of the event uh, and, and then to the school to help us keep going within the, the city of Austin. And you want to, uh, what is the name of the website for the? TexasWoodworkingFestival.com. Okay. So as I said, try to get your tickets ahead of time. Uh, one, because the, 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 the day of, the ticket price is going to be locked in and just to make it a little bit easier for us if you're buying your ticket there. So I recommend getting your ticket ahead of time. You can pick how much you pay, but it will make the check-in process go so much easier. If you've bought tickets ahead of time, you have them with you. We just scan you in, have a good time. Uh, So I recommend, highly recommend that you get your tickets ahead of time. Uh, If you don't mind, we would love it if you'd contribute a little bit extra above the the minimum price uh, to help the Austin School of Furniture and Philip Morley's hat collection. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, kids, the, you know, the festival itself has has a has a cost. I mean, you've got a considerable oh, cost yeah. in in the festival itself. Um, so anything that is ab- above that is is going to the is going to the school. Yeah, yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it's not a one and done. Like the idea is that. This is coming back every year, and it'll keep growing and getting better and better and better. So that's how that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's definitely not cheap to throw events in Austin. It's a, a very event focused city, which means there's lots of talented people out there, but it's it's pricey. Um, you're competing with, you know, ACL and South by Southwest and things like that, and the event venue fees are very high. So that's another part of we want people to help help us keep doing that, that and if they have the ability to to contribute a little extra. But it's, it's also it's a, uh, some sort it kind of a holiday weekend. Well, what is that? that would be Labor Day weekend? Yeah, yeah. So take a three day weekend and come down to Austin and absolutely come to the event. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's an expensive place and 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 that as far as festivals but it's also a fantastic place for festivals i mean that's why it's that that's why there is like south by southwest it's just it's a it's a fabulous place to have yeah have an event yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's a cool venue too uh, i went there for what was that austin um the craft craft her market oh yeah uh 
I think we saw you there, actually. Amanda was selling some pieces there. Yeah, yeah, yeah we bumped into you. But it was a part reason I wanted to go because I think we had spoke about that being a, a, a possibility. And mm-hmm. yeah, I got pretty excited when I saw it because it's it's a cool space. Like not just yeah. big, but it's a cool looking building. It's 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 Austin. It's a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and on that note, we 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 want to take those you know little different things. We call them weird things in Austin, uh, and keep applying them to the event. So. If this year goes well, then we obviously want to do it again, and we want to expand to multiple days. Uh, we would love to have live music at the event. I think every event in Austin's got to have some live music. It's it's just a huge part of of the city and who it is, and that'll be something that we'll do. That'll be a lot of fun. And and then I I would love to have activities activations at the event where it's a it's a fun thing you bring your Ooh, kids yeah. or family or or not and have a great time eating and drinking <laughs> like like day. sand and belt races <laughs> sure. i'm there come <laughs> uh, on we're gonna have to pick this up for next oh, year that would be great uh, I, I have seen those yeah <laughs> stuff like that whether it's a you know sanding belt races or you know vip lounges where you can hang out and relax and, and network uh, to live music and, and different types of fun activities. Cool. Yeah, I think it'll be a great time. I appreciate you doing it. I mean, that's that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to put together what you're putting together, and uh, um, I, I I think it's fabulous for the what, quote unquote community. You know, the woodworking community to have a place that that everyone you know have a place that's a a meetup or whatever you want to call it. It's where where we can get together. We all kind of see each other. You know, vicariously through Instagram and and social media, but it's there. Nothing replaces face to face and actually getting a chance to meet yeah. folks. I think it'll be fantastic. Yeah, get some get to meet Trent. Whoop, whoop. That's right, right. <laughs> I feel like I freaking know him. I'm like, it's just Instagram, right? We're spoken for Instagram, but I've never actually met the guy. Like, yeah, I feel the same way after about you, uh, after you after you read the book. Yeah, it's, you know? that's it's impressive. It's uh-huh. a great book. It, it really is. is. I loved it. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way about Ramon. I know it's going to be weird. Like, don't oh, I? Snap. Don't I know you? <laughs> yeah, Wait, we've never guys, met. Oh yeah. wow, yeah, we've never met. So I've you two have met, you. and yeah. Phil and I met in Vegas at that show. I don't, I don't think I can handle both of you together. So <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, that's cool. Well. Cool. Yeah, not to cut it off, but uh, we are coming up on over an hour, and I, yep, and I get back to work, so I guess absolutely. I'm <laughs> yeah, thank, thanks so much, Austin, for be, for taking the time to uh, to be on and and for putting the festival together and and the school and you know all the work that you've done and and you know the the help that you've um, you know you you helped us um, a bit with the with the woodworkers podcast with the website and and that type of thing if i i believe that it was the way it worked out i don't know yep. phil kind of phil kind of took care of that so um yeah i mean looking, looking looking forward to <laughs> looking forward to getting to see you again um in yeah September. yeah well thank you so much for having me and i really appreciate it and it's always great to to see you virtually and i hope to to see you all in person absolutely should be good yeah go get your tickets people get your yep. tickets Right on. Well, Ramon, you want to get us out? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, ton, uh, Austin. We uh, we appreciate. It. I'm really excited to to uh, actually meet you and um, meet a bunch of the people down there that you know, like you were mentioning that we 
you you feel like you know them already, but um, it'll be cool. I don't know. It's it's going to be a fast day. I know that because it's six hours, but uh, it's going to be fun. We appreciate it. So thanks, yeah, thanks yeah. a ton. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Woodworkers Podcast. We always appreciate it. If you have any questions about this show or past shows or questions uh, or suggestions for topics for future shows, send us a DM, and that would be through our Instagram account, at Woodworkers Podcast. And so, on behalf of Austin Waldo, co-host Ben Brunick, and Philip Morley, I am Ramon Valdez, and we'll catch you right here on the next episode of Woodworkers Podcast. Thanks a ton, guys. All right. Take care. Thanks, Austin. Thanks, Austin. Thank you.